Awesome, awesome. Check. Y'all hear me? Oh, yeah. We got it. Great. Thank y'all so much for the worship. Uh, Hey, I'm glad to be here this morning. My name is Garrison Price. For those of you who have never met me, uh, I get to serve with the awesome students, uh, junior high, high school. They're back here in the corner taking all the seats, uh, but uh, get to help with students and then also our young adult ministry. Um, And uh, man, I'm excited to be here. All right. So excited to be here this morning. And um, so John is actually in Chicago today at a friend's wedding. Uh, so he's up there with family, and so I know that uh, when a pastor is gone, he starts to look down at the list, right, of, man, different people that can come and teach, all right, and normally, you know, the youth pastor is probably number 10 on the bottom, right, and so uh, we can expect production to be a little lower, no, I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, so he did ask me, I said, hey, are you sure, and he said, no, yeah, I would love for you to, so uh, I get to share my story today, all right, so uh, normally, yeah, exactly, I'm excited, uh, really excited. I feel like I'm screaming. I think I am. I'm excited. All right. So, um, man, I got to calm down. So, uh, yeah, I get to share my story. And so it is going to be a one-off from the goals series we've been going through, uh, through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so today I'm actually going to backtrack to where y'all were or where we were as a church a few months ago and read from Ephesians chapter 2. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read through that. But before that, uh, as I share some of my story uh, from y'all and let y'all get to know me Uh, I'm a huge storyteller. I love telling stories. Uh, I love hearing them. They excite me. All right, sometimes I I can reuse stories and then use them and just tell them in a different way. Like, man, I love stories. And so I thought, what better way for y'all to get to know me than telling a story? All right, y'all with me? All right, here we go. So uh, eight years old, I was eight. My dad had planted a church in Brady, Texas. Anybody know where Brady is? Okay, yeah, the heart of Texas, the actual heart of Texas. Uh, deep in the heart was written in Brady, Texas, believe it or not. So uh, the heart of Texas, my dad planted a church there. So I lived seven years from three years old to about 10 uh, in Brady. So eight years old, my dad was a pastor. At that time, he was working with youth. So I have four brothers and four sisters. All right, huge family. Come from a big family. So pretty much the whole youth group was our family. All right. And so uh, my dad was like, hey, uh, for high school youth, we're going to go to a Round Rock Express baseball game, all right? So we're traveling two hours. It's a big deal. And, uh, and I get to go to everything because I'm the pastor's son. So I uh, get along. I'm so pumped. My older brothers uh, and his buddies are all there. He's seven years older, so at this time he's 15. Uh, and so I'm like, man, I just want to sit with y'all. I want to go hang out, uh, do that thing. And so how, if anybody has been to the Round Rock Express or the, their stadium, they have this like... Uh, this picnic area and left field behind the fence, right? Minor leagues, in minor league baseball, they normally don't seat all the way across the stadium, so they have like these cool, this cool area for you to sit down. So parents, most of the leaders are all sitting in the stands, all the students, we go out by the third inning, we're like, hey, let's go sit out in the grass. So we're all sitting together, uh, sitting next to my brother and his buddies, my sister Hannah and Abby, my sisters Hannah and Abby are to my right, uh, got all their friends, all right, and so every kid, every kid when you're that age, you have at least one big crush. Am I right? All right, and so uh, maybe it's just me. All right, anyways, here we go. So I had a big crush, all right? I was eight years old, and my crush was Tiffany Williams, all right? So Tiffany was my sister Hannah's friend. She was 14, all right? <laughs> Shooting for the stars. So, uh, man, so I was eight. I was in my 96 retro Jordans. I was in throw, th- like, hand-me-down clothes, which... When nine kids, all you know is hand-me-downs, right? So hand-me-down clothes, I'm in retro Jordans, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling, you know, I'm at a baseball game, like, man, she must like sports, right? Uh, And so, uh, man, I'm like, hey, I need to impress her. I need to move on with this story. So uh, we, so I'm like, man, what can I do to impress her? So I'm, I'm like elbowing my brother, like, hey, let's go to center field. He's like, what's in center field? I said, the throwing competition, you know what I mean? So we all move and migrate to center field. And they got that competition where they, you know, they gun you basically on how hard you can throw. And it's age limits. So I go up there and I do my thing and I see the guy erase the name in my age limit and put my name up there. And I'm like, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, I got, okay, I got one down. All right. So she sees, hey, I'm athletic, right? Uh, this is all going through my head. No lie. Eight, eight year old. I'm athletic. You know, I'm, I'm a standout is what I'm thinking. All right. Just wait. And then to my left is a rock wall. All right. A rock wall. And what I thought in my life when I was eight, I was like, 
That's the Empire State Building, you know what I mean? And it's probably 10 feet tall now that you go there. It's probably so short. I haven't gone back because of this experience. Uh, And so I get to the rock wall. Man, I'm losing my breath. Uh, I get to the rock wall, and I'm like, all right, put the harness on. And Nate, my brother's like, hey, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, forget about it. You know, get off me. Uh, I got it. And so I get in the harness. There's a kid that's probably 11 or 12 going up against me. I'm saying, I'm about to beat this kid. So I get up there, race up the wall, ring the bell, and I beat him, feeling great. All right, I'm venting like, okay, not only am I athletic, proving that to her now, hey, I'm a daredevil, all right? I'm climbing, all right? I can risk it. Uh, and I look down and freeze. And I mean, like, not just like a, uh, okay, hey, you know, I'm a little scared. No, it's like a frozen right there, shaking, can't do anything, all right? I'm sweating, and it's literally been like five seconds. My brother's like, all right, come on. You know, my sister's, come on, Garrison, you're good. Just push off. And I'm like, come on, Garrison, you know? Like, you know, that whole thing, like, just push off. And, uh, and I couldn't get myself to. So I'm stuck up there. I'm sweating. Tears start coming down. I start crying, all right? I was a really sensitive kid. I'm not going to lie. I had four sisters, all right? It's just natural. So I was real sensitive. I was like, you can't be crying right now. Are you kidding me? Uh, and so I'm crying, all right? And then I'm shaking. And I just hear my brother's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? You know, like, Garrison's stuck on a rock wall. And my sisters are like, Garrison's stuck on a rock wall, you know, and go get dad. And so they go get dad, and then I hear a, an eruption of laughter. And I'm like, what on earth? And I'm crying. I look over my left shoulder, and on the jumbotron is your boy <laughs> crying in front of the whole stadium, all right? Eight years old, bowl cut, my Jordans, you know, like, I'm just sweating. And I'm like, man, gosh. So, man, I had a shot at Tiffany. Never happened. So, uh, blew it, yeah. Uh, never went back to an express game. Never talked to her again. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. But, uh, yeah, so, man, really humiliating. That's probably my most embarrassing moment. I've got three or four bad ones too, but uh, that's up there. And so, man, what better way to start by just saying, hey, here's a story about me shaking, uh, stuck on a rock wall in front of thousands of people, uh, crying in front of my crush. So, uh, man, I wish I had an end of that story to say, hey, we ended up together. Definitely not. So, uh, here today, man, I'm running out of breath, Uh, starting this out with a story. And really, what's crazy is that, hey, it is 17 years later. I still see the images, you know, it's that devastating. Uh, 17 years later that I stand here today, and I get to look back on that story and share that. I've shared it a few other times. And look at ways that genuinely, like, that reflects my life in a lot of ways. That a lot of my life that I'm going to share with you all today is that kid up on this rock wall, stuck. And let me tell you why and how. Number one, Isolation. I felt like I was alone at that point. I felt like, hey, I got family all around me. I got friends all around me. But I genuinely did feel alone up there. Like no matter how much they encouraged me to come down, no matter how much they said, hey, you're good, you're safe, I could not let go. Couldn't let go. The other thing is, hey, that very reason, that very thing is that family and friends have played pivotal roles in my life. That God has placed my family. I know that may not be true of some of us this morning, but for me, thank you, God, for my family. And I can say here today that, you know, be here today and say I have great relationships with them, that they have been, God has used them in insane ways in my life, in timely ways, just like that day when Hannah, my sister, ran and got my dad. Uh, I got down from the rock wall. Clearly, I'm here. Uh, anyways, I forgot that part. So, um, but no, truly. And the other one is, hey, just the the, the pleasing and, uh, of man, the um, what am I, approval of man, just doing whatever I can to just get the next bit of attention, the next bit of, oh yeah, that's Garrison, the next bit of whatever it took to get approval from women. And so yes, I know that's a tough note to transition from, from that story, but it really does. I stand here today and I, I share that story realizing like, holy cow, that is so true. I see those three things specifically so clearly about my life. When I was preparing for this, when I was figuring out, hey, what to share, what not to share, where do I even begin? And those three things, and you're going to see how that truly plays out for the rest of my life, that it really was Garrison up, stuck, isolated, alone in times of my life. And so today, not only am I getting the opportunity to share some about me, I'm getting to walk us through some rich text, all right? And so... 
Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to have it up on the screen. I'm not like John. I don't have an iPad. Uh, I'm not that, uh, not that much of a pastor. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Current pastors today, I swear, they all teach from iPads. So I got my phone. So I'm going to read it, and we're going to have it up on the screen. So Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul teaching the church of Ephesus. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is just talking about, hey, walking apart from God, right? Apart from God and Satan's rule, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And here's where it changes. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Notice how many times Paul says this. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, yeah, I mean, clearly, obviously, I mean, I could keep reading that all day. We could just teach from that directly. But notice that he says, hey, before Christ came into the picture, we were all like that. We were all dead at our own trespasses. We were all dead as a son of disobedience. Before Christ entered, that's where we were. And then the transition in verse 4. But God, in his rich mercy, because of his mercy... Because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead. You notice the difference there? There's a huge transition from verses 1 through 3, and then from 4 to 7, really 4 through 9. For by grace you have been saved, that's the gospel. And so then there's that middle period of when Christ enters the picture that is not by, done by works anything that I could have done or you could have done. And then the last part. Hey, what does it look like after that? So Jesus entered the picture. He has saved you. And now what are you created for? You are his workmanship. There's a new identity change. There's a new identity now in your life. And so the reason I share this is saying, hey, I'm just going to walk you through my life and how this chapter 2 of Ephesians plays out in my life. And where those transitions happened before Christ, during Christ, after Christ. And I pray as we, as we fly through this, as we go through this, is that, hey, a testimony, right? A testimony is just a testament to God's grace in somebody's life. A testament of God's work in somebody's life. That that is what is revealed through my story. And so, here we go. So, before Christ. Man, honestly, I grew up, I, I, had a, I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, so, love the 615. Uh, anyway, the area code. So, uh, born in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived for three years. In 96, my parents moved to Brady. That's where my dad planted a church. We've already gotten that. Uh, have four brothers, four sisters. Just some key things for y'all to know, little facts. Um, when, so, I grew up in a Christian home, right? My dad was a pastor. Uh, and so, really, and my mom homeschooled us up until high school, uh, all nine of us. And so, um, with that, I was raised in a, in a really godly home. Like my mom was, I mean, I just saw it firsthand every single day, a devotion to Christ. And so I really just knew, I, I don't know how to explain it, it was just part of it. I just knew it. So I knew the word. I was that annoying kid. I was that punk kid in, in Sunday school that's like raising his hand for everything, you know. He's like, oh, I know. He's like, okay, hey, let's let somebody else answer, you know. Uh, I was that kid. And so I knew the answers. Uh, I knew it. So at eight years old, I truly believe, like, hey, I, I did trust Jesus with my life. And I got baptized in a backyard pool, which a lot of y'all know what that is, because I feel like everybody in New Braunfels has a pool. Is that right? 
All right, that was supposed to get more loud. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So I feel like that, no, and, and I've realized that everybody, any extra money here in New Braunfels is like, well, we need a pool, all right? And so I've had so many families come up to me and say, hey, if we need a pool party, come to my house. I have 40 resources there, so we got pools taken care of. Uh, I love it. And so uh, anyways, got baptized, knew what it was. I knew that commitment I had made. And so my before Christ is kind of harder to see. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, I was eight years old. But that middle transition, that's where it really gets up and down, I would say. Lots of ups and downs. And so after I was baptized, man, sports were king. I'm going to fly through this just because it's, um, yeah, it really gets, a uh, majority of my story is told from really 18 through 22. And so really sports were king. That was key in my life. Sports were always the top priority. So I was really competitive Always, my four, uh, sorry, I have four brothers, three older brothers. They all played uh, every sport possible, really, really successful. They all played college baseball, so it was just something that I was expected to do and kind of like, hey, I'm just, I know that's just, the, you know, the direction I'm going with my life. And so sports every single day. And genuinely, like, I, I didn't really take it out of context. I was really competitive, but at the same time, I believe that, hey, with the way I was raised, I really was a a good kid. Like it didn't, it really, I can't really look back on my story and say, man, I was a punk in this way. Like, no, I, I knew the, how to treat people. I loved people in general. It's just something how is, I guess, just how I'm wired. And so growing up, even in sports, I knew that, hey, I know that that can't be an idol. Like I said, I knew the stuff. But man, sports were huge in my life. And as I moved forward, that became just something that was, um, it really did. I knew that was the truth, that, hey, I can't follow these things. I know that we don't want to make that a god or an idol in your life. But it did become that. And it became that sooner than I thought and more before I even realized. And so at 14 or 15, I started, hey, again, I told you, I was up on that rock wall, approval, right? That was something that plagued me. I hated to make anybody mad or angry. I was a people pleaser, to my core. And it really, really plays into where I'm at today. And so people pleaser, right? I knew what people expected out of me. I knew, hey, I know that, man, I, um, yeah, just how to be, I was so worried about what people thought all the time. So I go through that. Man, it was an up and down type season, up and, up and down uh, type experience with sports, in high school, had some success in sports. At junior year, I transferred to a public school. So this is where it kind of picks up. And so really, I had a pretty decent life, a great life from outside, right, perspective. Great family, great friends. Junior year, I transferred to school, a public school in Tennessee and start to play sports, start to play there at a new school. At this time, I look back and I realized what I was bringing that first day of school. Didn't know a single person. I was insecure. I was a people pleaser. So many different things. I look back at a year or two before that, and I had experienced um, just these insecurities in my life that really came out of nowhere. I was like, man, why am I dealing with this? Why am I, what are these insecurities about? And I really did have the mental capacity to understand, hey, these are insecurities. I was a perfectionist. I realized what I was bringing to that, that day that I was not prepared for. Two years before that, I was alone in my room with a laptop and saw pornography for the first time. 15 years old. I saw pornography for the first time, and I genuinely, like I said, hey, I knew the truth. I knew that this was bad. I knew it. Again, I was emotional. I was crying. I was like, man, I don't know what, I don't even know what that is. What is going on? What on earth? But because of that people-pleasing, because of the reputation, because of, hey, I know that great things are expected. I know these things. I knew that I had to keep this face, right, in front of everyone. And so it just became this little tiny hidden thing in my life that I was like, hey, nobody can know that. But outside, I'm garrison. Outside, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, friendly. I want to be friends with people, right? I'm, I'm, I love sports. I'm, I'm out. I'm about. I'm very outgoing. 
smiling, laughing a lot, behind closed doors, a completely different life. And it terrified me. I didn't understand the truth and freedom that came through confession and truth and freedom that came from vulnerability. I genuinely believe that was weakness. I thought, in the way that I was raised, I'm like, man, my brothers would be disappointed. My parents would be shattered and disappointed. Everything I've built for 15, 16, 17 years will be completely destroyed if I shared this. And so it became, that's really how it all starts. It became something I just hid. was like, man, I'll never share that. Nobody can ever know that. And it started to eat at me and eat at me and eat at me. And so I saw, again, I saw sports success. I saw, hey, I was great in the classroom. On the outside, man, I had it all. I thought I had it all of what you could say. I was leading FCA. FCA was a huge part of my life. God used that in a vital way to save me. I would go to, Bible, or I would go to church. My dad was preaching at the time. I was leading youth groups, doing all those things outside, but again, that hidden life. I was trying to find approval. I mean, my greatest desire was finding approval from coaches, from my parents, from girls. And that was just that hidden garrison that I was like, hey, just forget about it. You know, I'm not, that's not me. That's not me. And I kept saying that. That's not me. And if anything happened to where it was, like, okay, hey, I need to ask forgiveness, or hey, that actually showed up, it came outwardly, right? Then I would always say, that's not me, that's not me, like, please, it's not me, I promise. And that was just something that came in my head that was just playing over and over and over and over. And so I would think about Ephesians 2, that I was walking in that disobedience, I was walking in the desires of my flesh, but what I didn't understand, what I truly could never understand, is when it transitions into, but God's mercy. See, I knew the truth. I knew it all along. But I could not understand that it was not done by works, because my whole life had been based on works. I worked every single day to get to a certain level in the classroom, in sports, in everything, in friendships. I tried to be a better brother, tried to be a better friend. Everything was just these goals after goal after goal after goal. And I was never satisfied. So how could I understand that is not done by works? It's just grace through faith. And so I knew the truth. I just didn't have ears to hear it. My heart was not prepared to hear it yet. And this is where it transitions to where, hey, a season of my life that God allowed me to say, hey, you continue to do these things and continue to go your way which I'll show, explain how. You're going to learn sooner or later that it's not done by works, that there's freedom and life in me. Excuse me, I'm trying to get over sickness, so I sound super weird. Uh, anyway, so that's where transition happens. So I end up speeding through. I end up graduating high school, all right? Graduating high school, again, had... Uh, hadn't really done anything to really kind of damper my reputation, this, this, this kind of uh, garrison that I had built for other people. But remember, this hidden life that's just going at it. It's just growing. I'm scared of like, man, it's going to be found. It's going to be found out. I always felt for years, felt like I'm hiding something. I'm scared for anybody to truly, truly know me. And honestly, the way I viewed masculinity was, hey, you're not allowed to share that kind of stuff. As a man, you're just this, you're this, uh, this guy that, hey, it's a brick wall, right? That's just how I viewed it. As a man, hey, you got to hide your emotions. You can't be that kind of guy. Be open and honest. you got to hide these things. And it came back to bite me. And so I leave. I actually walked on at Dallas Baptist University. Go Patriots, all right? So decided to go play baseball uh, at DBU and uh, was a walk-on. I had a few other uh, opportunities and offers other places, but decided I'm going 10 hours away from home. I'm going to Texas. I'm going to Dallas uh, and going to go play for Dallas Baptist. So get on the team. Uh, it's just really funny. The first day I get there, it's just a quick story. Uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, and so I get there first day, and uh, they're like, all right, Price, get your gear on. I was a catcher. Sorry, I didn't say that. I was a catcher. So get your gear on, go behind home plate. So I'm about to catch. First day of practice. I'm the walk-on, all right? You can already, I mean, picture Rudy, picture all the sports movies with the walk-on that you're like, that dude's a scrub, you know? That's me. So I'm going up, all right? I got my gear on, and I'm like, okay, hey, I know, you know, I played 3A baseball in Tennessee, so I got it. So I get down behind home plate, and he's like, Jake, and he goes like this, which means, hey, you're about to throw. So 
In comes Jake Johansson. Jake Johansson, 6'6", 260. He's a horse, all right? So he gets up there, gets on the mound, and he goes in the first pitch, 96. Not only that, first pitch, I'm sitting there like, all right, here we go, what you got? You know, I'm going back there, right over my mitt. <laughs> Hits me in the chest, and he's like, you good? I'm like, good pitch. <laughs> you know, good pitch there. And, uh, and so... Man, I just destroyed me. So immediately I went from, hey, top of the top in high school to bottom feeder in college. And so it was really humbling, uh, really stupid story, but just an example. He ended up getting drafted 12th overall uh, in the draft. So uh, he threw 98 to 101 miles per hour. Uh, he was a stud. So uh, anyways, did not play at DBU. I actually redshirted. And so got to practice, got to honestly grow as a player. Uh, no more of those, yeah. Uh, decided to actually, hey, I know how to catch a ball. Am I right? All right. So I uh, learned how to catch. And so, um, man, grew a lot as a player. Uh, college, as far as my personal life, um, again, I was more of an uh, outgoing person. So I knew a lot of people outside of just the baseball team. I didn't understand the guys that just hung out with the baseball players. Like, hey, I'm, those, y'all are my friends too, but oh, what about these guys, you know? And so I had a lot of friends outside of that in a great year to grow me as a man, a great year to just grow in friendships and understand what it means to have true friendships. And so um, that happened, and I decided, hey, I'm actually going to go leave DBU, and I'm going to go play somewhere else. I had better, uh, and when you play sports, you understand, of, hey, I grew as a player, I wanted to go play, and so I knew I wasn't going to play here, um, and man, I didn't want to be a third string for four years. So I uh, decided to transfer, and I transferred to Bryan College in East Tennessee. Uh, so vast difference. Quick story to tell you about that difference. So uh, we go from DBU, which was a Division I baseball team. On road trips, we'd be given envelopes, each player. We're given per diem, right? So on road trips, you're given per diem to, to pay for meals, all right, it was a, uh, probably $200 of cash. But they would pay for every meal, all right? And so this team would. So a lot of these guys were pocketing it that had baseball scholarships. I went straight to FAFSA and was like, hey, here you go. Here's $200 to chip away at my tuition. Uh, and so we would get, uh, get meals and we'd get the best, like barbecue, steakhouses, all these places on road trips. So remember that. I go to Brian, love that school, great baseball team. We had a blast, uh, but... We went on a road trip at Bryan, and I didn't know that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm too blind to see the difference, I guess, a little bit. So I go from Division I baseball to NAIA baseball, a little bit of difference, okay? And so we go on a road trip, we play the number one two team in the country, or number one two team, sorry, uh, number two team in the country is Georgia Gwinnett, okay? John would know that school. Uh, North Georgia, they're a powerhouse. So they have, NAI doesn't have any restrictions on transfer rules. So their three starting pitchers are LSU, Ole Miss, and College of Charleston transfers. So they're just freaks, all right? And so we're going to play them. We're like, all right, here we go, guys. And uh, we actually beat them. So we beat them. We're all pumped. We get in the bus, and Coach is just like, we're all jamming the music, the whole thing. The bus is shaking. And he's like, man, wait, you know, way to play. I'm treating y'all out tonight. And we're all like, yeah. So I'm thinking again, DBU, I'm thinking, hey, we're going to get steaks. We're going to get, and this is playing in my mind. So the bus leaves, we're going, and uh, we go to this, we're in North Atlanta, pretty nice area, uh, and we see this huge shopping center, a bunch of restaurants, okay? So huge shopping center, and on my left is, hey, your, your Stony Rivers, your, uh, all the steakhouses you can think of. I'm like, oh, yes, come on. All right, I promise the bus driver juked us. Because he's going left, and then all of a sudden he swerves right, right into, yes, you guessed it, Golden Corral, all right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, hey, you get a $10 limit with the water. And so uh, we ate buffets, we ate like kings, uh, Golden Corral. And, uh, and so anyways, that was a little bit of the difference. I went from DBU to Brian. Uh, but this is where I would say, hey, this was a huge turning point. Like I said, this is in getting back on track. What it means to walk, right? Walk with Christ. I'm starting to get a feel for that but I still would never confess some of the stuff that was going on behind closed doors. And not only that, then I started to act on it outwardly with girls. And so that, the people pleasing, the kingdom of garrison, remember that, the kingdom of garrison that I had built, this leader, this, all these things, this mask, I was a master of masks, being able to wear them. And so I go through my sophomore year, that continues to go. I see it, okay, a little bit of a downward spiral in the way of my personal life, my studies, I was a biology major uh, 
at the time trying to be a dentist. I then changed to business, all right? So I uh, graduated with a business degree. Uh, but biology and baseball just don't mix very well. Um, and so did a uh, change, but I realized my grades were going down. I'm like, okay, I've never really done this. What is wrong? And so, again, the Holy Spirit, I truly believe, like, God has placed, again, like I said, people and different moments in my life that have kind of said, hey, man, where are you going? Come on. And this was one of those moments that, hey, I just didn't want to listen. And really, during this year, I would say, period, I didn't want to listen to a word. And so I knew something was going down. Something was happening in me. Baseball, again, like I said, sports was a god in my life. Baseball, I mean, every single day. In college, if you play college sports or maybe if you went to college and you know athletes, it's a full-time job. It's 10 hours a day, 8 to 10 hours a day. And that's all I could think about, man. And I, I genuinely loved it. So there's a difference, right? There's a difference between, hey, I loved it. I wanted to get better. That's a great reason to continue to get better, to continue to practice, continue to invest. But then when it affected when I'm leaving the games, and then my outward source to get away from it. Does that make sense? That's when I knew, hey, to heal what's going on in the field, I'm struggling, I can't hit, I'm going to find girls, I'm going to find acceptance anyway, I'm letting my grades fall, I'm angry. I've never been angry in my life like I was being, I was so angry for some reason. It was just, I could tell there's this emotional, just of the lack of being known, this hidden life that I felt like, man, I can never, ever share. So sophomore year, up and down year, but then junior year, injuries, started to get hurt. I was like, man, I've never been injured really in my life. This is new. I was a captain. I was an RA for my hall, resident assistant. Over 36 guys, I was leading FCA. On, I started the FCA chapter, or helped start. So outward, again, this outward kingdom that I was like, man, I got really, I'm, I've got it all. From a Christian, from a godly man standpoint, I've got leadership positions, I'm succeeding in sports, what I thought I had at all. Then I start getting injured. At that time, I was in a dating relationship. I started dating a girl. That hidden life finally came out to where then it was outward actions with that girl. So then there was a sexual relationship. This is all new. Again, remember the 15-year-old crying not sure what the heck is going on, not sure what to say, unsure, I felt lonely, I felt like I could never share this. Imagine then continuing to go forward and forward and diving deeper into sexual sin, and then you realize, okay, I'm far gone. I will never share this. Are you kidding me? Especially with the places of leadership I was in, I could never let anybody know. That would destroy reputation the people pleaser in me, I would disappoint so many people. So as I went on, injuries continued to plague me. My starting position was lost. Everything that I had built was starting to fall, and I saw it. This relationship, it was, it was so dumb. It just hurts me even today. I'm like, man, Lord, please forgive me, which I've already been forgiven for all that. But man, it was just so immature and so dumb. But man, it hurt me. And it hurt people around me. I had built a great friendships with so many great guys and great friends that when these things were found out, it was obviously, it was a broken level of trust. There were a lot of lies. There was me sharing and leading these guys of, hey, man, abstain from this. Keep away from this. And then me continuing to live that out in my own life. And that's what broke my heart the most. That's what hurt me the most. I could say and I could argue that, hey, the most dangerous person in the Christian faith, the most detrimental person in the Christian faith is somebody that claims Christ but living a completely different life. Hypocrite. Living out a completely different life. The most detrimental to the Christian faith. Because what I was doing was standing up like this and saying, hey, Look at this, look at Jesus, when I had never understood that his freedom and what walking with him meant, that there was freedom and life walking with Christ. I didn't even believe the very things I was sharing, and I was living a completely different life. And it wrecked me. 
So my arm dangling, I ripped, I tore everything on my right shoulder. Ibuprofen every single day to try to keep playing as long as, hey, I just got to keep playing. I can't, I can't ever, I transferred here just to play. I can't not play. That's what's going on in my head. I got all this mess going, out, going on in this other life I'm living, starting to come out. And it just was a downward spiral. And this kingdom continued to be broken down brick by brick. This kingdom of me that I had built. And I just see that eight-year-old kid up on the, on the rock wall, crying, shaking. I look at myself at 21 years old at Bryan College, coming back after messing up with that girl or after a terrible 0 for, 0 for 4 game, get pulled from the game, and I suddenly shut the door, don't let anybody else see, and I'm throwing stuff in my room. I'm beating the bed with my fists like, God, how? How did I get here? What is wrong with me? And my mindset for God in that time was, he's disappointed, man. He's disappointed. He gave me opportunities. That's the way I viewed it. I was such an acceptance base. I wanted to do it by works, works, works. This isn't me. This isn't me. This isn't me. And that night, I'll never forget, was the last night of our regular season before our conference tournament. This is in May of 2014. I look in the mirror. Or 2015, I don't remember. I look in the mirror, and I just see myself in just like tears, bags under my eyes. I'm a wreck. I'm like, what on earth? I ripped my jersey off. I was like, I don't even, want to, I don't even know. I don't know what to do. It was, an, it was an emotional. It was like a, a whole deal. And I literally was like, this is me. This is me. I'm a son of disobedience. I'm an instrument right now. I'm living in my flesh. I'm living. Again, I said I knew these things, but I just didn't want to believe it. And I look at myself and I'm like, this is me. I'm broken. That was the first time in my life that I knew how to say that. I'm broken. And I don't know where to go from here. I had lost friendships, relationships, broken trust in ways I didn't even know where to go, turn from. And so here's the verse four of my life. But God, this was the lowest of low. This was ground zero for Garrison Price. Everything that I built, everything I thought, man, if I can only get here. I had a dream of becoming a professional baseball player. I saw my shoulder dangling. I felt it. I was like, nope. Nope. I'm thinking surgery. I'm thinking that's nine months. I'm thinking recovery, a shoulder surgery. That's hard. I mean, you can imagine all these things. I can't ever do that. I'm not going to lie. It was really tough those next couple months. I go home. My parents at this time had moved to Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg, Texas, really was so random and hard for me. It was like, man, I transferred back to be closer to y'all, and <laughs> they moved to Fredericksburg. So they moved to Fredericksburg. So I go home. I was supposed to play summer baseball. I was like, no shot at doing that. So I go home to Fredericksburg. I work at Otto's German Bistro, all right? Shout out to Otto's uh, as a waiter. And I'm home, and I'm broken, and I'm in shambles. And I'm literally like, I'm alone. All my friends are in Tennessee, well, so-called what I thought were friends, and man, it was what I had done. I broke those friendships. We already went over that. And so I was lonely, and that's where the Lord began to work. In June, I'm serving tables at autos. I get home, and my mom just sits down. She's crying. I'm like, Mom, what's going on? And she's like, I feel like there's just this distance between us. There's something going on in you. I've never seen you like this. And I just break down. Dad walks in, he sits down, and I just share everything. I'm like, here's what's been going on. When I've been calling you, here's what's been going on behind this voice of me saying, man, Dad, I want to play. Like, dang, Dad, I, I suck tonight again. Here's what's really going on, the extra, that 2% we, we say. We share up to 98, we forget the, two, the last 2%. This was it. I say, Dad, here it is. Mom, here it is. And I felt freedom for the first time in my life. 21 years. 21 years I lived in this prison of feeling like, and really specifically for more like six, six or seven, right? 
I talked about a little bit about that when that hidden life started. But for 21 years, my whole world was shattered, and I understood that this prison I was living in, like we said in verses 1 through 3, you were prisoners to sin. I genuinely felt like that. I then excuse me, sat there, was sitting there, and was like, I genuinely felt like, oh my gosh, I'm free. I don't care how they respond. I don't care. I had to get this off my chest. Like I said, up on the rock hole that my dad, that God had put my parents and family and friends there at times of need was that time. And my parents just hugged me and loved on me. They extended, they showed the grace that God explains in the middle of chapter two because of his grace. And I'm not gonna lie, the next, again, the next few months after that, even after those moments, were tough. It was moving on. It was moving forward of like, man, I know I can't go back to that life, but I want to. I want to contact those people. Hey, I promise, I'm sorry. That's not me. I wanted to fix everything. I decided out of nowhere to go back to DBU. I was like, I can't go back to Brian. I just, I knew for some reason the Spirit was leading me somewhere else. I knew that, hey, I, I can't go back and I'm done with ball. So I take I get a shoulder surgery. I have shoulder surgery in September 2015. Some of those friends, remember I said, hey, God placed some friends in my life at freshman year at DBU. Some of those friends were still there. A guy named Andrew Montoya, Zane Smith, who some, uh, he met some of y'all. They met some of y'all at church a couple weeks ago. They were down here. Dean Dalston. I could go on. My brothers at the time had a mentor named Jeremy Johnston at DBU. And those six men, genuinely, those five or six men began to walk with me. And for the first time in my life, I found myself sharing, hey, this is the real me, guys. And I'm not afraid to say it. This is what's really been going on. I know I can put a front on. Man, this is what's really going. And I started to live in that freedom, that Christ, and I was reminded through them of saying, hey, man, that does not define you. You are a new creation, it says in 2 Corinthians. You are a new creation. What does that look like? The dead garrison is gone. You have been risen in life with Christ. The same Christ that defeated death is your Savior, and he has not left you. And I'm sitting there like, wait, what? I've known these things, but it's just never, again, I said, I didn't have the heart or the ears to hear it or to take it in. And it changed my life. It says in Psalm 51, to rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in your salvation. I never knew what that was. I truly believe if I hadn't gone through some of the things that I had gone through and built this kingdom of garrison that I had built, and then the Lord break it down brick by brick, I would not have understood what God's grace truly meant in Ephesians 2. And that is what Paul is trying to talk to us about and say to the church of Ephesus. But God, even when I build this kingdom, I'm teaching to high school right now to, about Colossians, about Christ and his preeminence. He is supreme. In that garrison, I built this rank and this, this kingdom of me for 21 years and he broke it down and saying, listen, no matter how bad you build, how high you build yourself, all the works you could possibly do, it will never amount Christ is preeminent. My grace is sufficient for you. And it changed my life. I remember October, a few months after that, removed from all that stuff. I'm in Dallas, and I'm like, wait, this is what friendship means? This is what community means? I became a member. I visited Watermark Church at the time. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I was scared. I was terrified. I thought I'd be judged. I remember uh, visiting Watermark in October. I ended up visiting again in January, becoming a member at Watermark in Dallas. Got plugged in with a community group. At that time, some of y'all know Sean Hill, right? Sean Hill uh, enters my life in 2016 of February. He interviews me to be a small group leader for, for students. And I say, hey, I actually, I think I, I, I love uh, high school kids. And he's like, great, you're going to be with sixth graders. I was like, all right, sweet. So, uh, and so, yeah, classic Sean. So uh, Sean puts me, but hey, I'll never forget, Sean Hill and Jermaine Harrison were sitting right there interviewing me to be a volunteer because you have to serve there, the part of the church. 
And I'll never forget, they're interviewing me, and they're like, hey, share your story. And I'm sharing some of it, but pieces, I'm not sharing the majority of what had happened because it still hurt. It still bothered me. It was still too fresh. And he said, hey, before we go, I feel like you're holding back. I feel like there's some, maybe some skeletons in your closet or something that you have to share. And I was like, yes, there is. Thank you. Here's me. And for the first time, I genuinely, for the first time, this mask that I had put on for years, threw it away. And God freed me from that. And I began to share my story of, hey, I can say all the right things. I can say, hey, here's my resume to be a student leader. It's never going to be enough. And I began to tell Sean and Jermaine right there, hey, this is actually the real me. And they hugged me. You're pr- I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you for sharing that. Obviously, asked me follow-up questions. Where are you at now? Apart from that, separated from that? Yes, great. Here's your sixth grade group of boys. You're going to have two other co-leaders, and we're going to walk with you. I got put in a community group at church. Began to walk in unison with these guys. Broken, of course. Missing baseball, missing some friends. Of course, there was part of me. I'm not going to lie. I feel like sometimes in testimonies, we share a lot of things and be like, oh, then this awesome world, you know, happened. Like, hey, this next year, the year after all that was really difficult. It was not easy. But I truly began to understand what we read in Ephesians, that it wasn't done by works. And that was the biggest freedom of my life. So I began to lead in that way. DBU again, I began to uh, have a renewed view on uh, friendships, community, my relationships with women, how to care for them in friendships. I'd never known. That began to be restored. There were parts of me that I was like, man, this is crazy. My whole life I genuinely feel like a new person. It started to learn what it meant to walk with Christ. God had restored that part of my life, and I began to know what it meant to rejoice in my salvation. Thank you, God, for where you took me and where you've pulled me from and where you're leading me. As it says, well, my favorite thing about Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, I'm wrapping up, is that it doesn't stay there. That 4 through 9, yes, that's the gospel. It's grace through faith, not done by works, so that no one may boast, for this is not of your own doing. I need to repeat that to myself day in and day out. My region group, we we talk through that week in and week out, and they remind me of that week in and week out. My favorite is, though, verse 10, after verse 9. Verse 10, we are his workmanship, created for good works, through Christ, because of his mercy. We are now his workmanship. And now in the past three years, I'm seeing, hey, I get to rejoice in my salvation, and now I get to see what it looks like to be God's workmanship. And for three years, that changed my life. That changed my identity. I knew that now I'm a new creation. My old self is dead and gone. I've walked into this new life, and it's taken me on the ride of my life. And I truly get to stand here before you saying, the Lord restored the way I even led. Remember, he provided opportunities that I I feel like I missed it at Brian. Leading students, leading high schoolers. And now look at what he has done, that God has restored that part of my life, that now I get to stand with y'all and serve with y'all at the Springs Community Church in New Braunfels, Texas, leading students because of his mercy and his grace and his restoration in my own life. That I get to rejoice in my salvation today on October 14th, 2018, knowing where I was and knowing what I'm capable of when I'm living apart from Christ. And then I get to walk with Jesus in freedom and life as a new creation, as Garrison Price and all that I'm created to be, broken, absolutely. Healing, absolutely but free, new, renewed, restored. That's the gospel, man. And Jesus offers that for all of us. And so 
Springs Community Church, rejoice in your salvation with me today. Rejoice in what Christ has brought you from. And as I stumble through my story for 40 minutes, man, I hope that's the central thing that we hear. And then I'm able to do is rejoice in my salvation. God, never let me go back to who I was. And so, man, community has been so key. Community, community, community. Walking with guys in my life that two weeks ago, they're in this very room. That they've seen me at my lowest of low and my worst in 2015. And then in 2018, three years later, they're sitting here, seeing me give, be goofy and giving announcements. And they're like, bro, I can't believe what God has done in your life. Praise the Lord. And I got to see that in their lives. Three years ago, there's some goons. I'll tell you, there still are. But three years ago, I'm like, hey, we've seen what they've done in your, what he's done in yours too. Uh, and we get to share that and laugh and rejoice together in our salvation. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, the gospel. There is freedom in life. Forget the masks. Drop them. Walk in newness of life and experience the life and joy that I've found in Christ through being his workmanship. Father, I do. God, I just pray. Uh, Lord, as I just stumble here and there through my story, what to share, what not to share, but God, just the central theme. I rejoice in my salvation. You have brought me from darkness to light. So many of us that have trusted with Christ and trusted in Christ today, Father, have been brought from old life to new. Their identity has been changed. Their title has been changed. May we live in that freedom. May I continue to walk in that freedom. Three years removed from the, some of the hardest times of my life, Father. But now as a new creation, a new man, a new identity. May we, Father, be just simple instruments and vessels in New Braunfels, Texas, as new creations walking around. What it means to have an abiding relationship with Jesus. That we get to be his workmanship here in this community. God, I pray that's true of us at the Springs. Thank you, Lord. May we rejoice in our salvation today. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah, I think y'all are dismissed. Have a great week of worship. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm working on transitions.